2: Wrestling
0: Federation. What I have seen in the past couple of weeks, Bret Hart, World Wrestling Federation champion, that doesn't sit well with us, because there's only one real World Wrestling Federation champion, and that's Rick Flair. Once again. Things are off-kilter! But when things are off-kilter, and the World Wrestling Federation, perfect, Razor, and the Nature Boy, stand by to offer up the cure.
3: Bret Hart,
0: all you've done is fuel the fire that lies between the warrior, the macho man, and me and Razor dig it with all light! And if Razor and I have to climb that big ladder in the sky to get the recognition we want, we're going to do it harder at the Survivor Series, right Razor? Right you know, some people, they thrive on intention. They love to be in the spotlight. You're looking at three men now who fit them description. So ultimate maniacs gear up because the nature boy, Razor Ramon, and Mr. Perfect are going to take all their frustration, all their anger, we're going to bottle it up and we're going to bring it to Survivor Series, Chico, and give it do you? You know what the major health problem is in the United States of America today? It's bad That means when something builds up in you so bad that you have a hard time living with it. Well, right now you can imagine what I'm dealing with. <laughs> I'm Ric Flair. I'm used to being number one. Right now, Fred Hart, <laughs> you're getting my stroke, Daddy. So savage. You are the warrior! Look at the razor! Look at perfect! And look at nature boy! We coming to get (gasps) ya! Woo!
1: What up, what up, what up? Guess who? It's the one, the only, Brian Friggin' Rails. On your hot 9-7? Nope. But I'm live on Russell Radio Network. I respect myself. Thanks, Booker Man. So, we got a stacked show tonight, ladies and gents. Got a lot to cover. AEW, that is. A biographical... Discussion of sorts about Edge. And oh yes. We, okay, Pizza Simpson and myself will be discussing none other than the prequel, or not prequel, preview, if you will, to Survivor Series this Sunday. It's going to be a hell of a... All the card that just got thrown together. And you know what, for a slopped, chaotic weekend in wrestling, I mean, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy with what professional wrestling is doing. It's taking my mind off a lot of shit. Um a good friend passed away recently. She was a huge wrestling fan. Um so, Aunt Dana. Love you to pieces, but, um, yep, she will be missed, and, uh, if she were here, she would say, have no fear, Dana the Great is here, so let's all pop open a beer, we love you, we miss you, you will never, ever be forgotten, anyways, we will have a Smackdown Live review, Friday Night Smackdown Review, AEW Dynamite, Rampage, reading, if you will, of sorts. And, like I said, I'm probably going to have the best discussion about the rated R superstar, Edge. I guess you can't know him. On his day... I sing clearly... Okay, no, I'm not going to sing the God, gun. Please don't let me sing by Ultra Bridge. Please do not let me sing. I will go on and on and on. <clears throat> but tonight, folks, is going to be a stacked show. We're going to have a good time. It is Wrestle Radio Network weekend. It is Thanksgiving weekend. We're all thankful for all the fans that listen to us, listen to my psycho babble, listen to Pizza Simpsons, wrestling expertise or not expertise but his wrestling knowledge not just about two companies but about multiple okay we're also thankful for the fans that listen in canada and ireland and germany london tokyo japan what up and uh for all the fans that listen in the us today So without further ado, why don't we start off with a SmackDown review? Because it was a short show. It was two hours. But before I do that, ladies and gentlemen, the co-host with the most, most loyal, loyal co-host, the man that brought this show back to life. Because it was it was needing CPR badly, I will admit, but enough of the flattery. But please welcome, have a slice, will ya, Pizza Simpson, big yum.
3: Yo, 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 what's up? It's Pizza Simpson, a.k.a. Prince Jesus. Let's get into it. How was Smackdown tonight?
1: Well, you know, it wasn't bad, dude. It just – there were parts of it that made me uh, smile. There were parts of me that made me question why. But it was from Hartford, Connecticut. It was a take-home show to the Survivor Series. Nothing major happened. No show invasions disappointing on that regard. Um, So there was a match to determine who would be the fifth competitor, at Smack, or on SmackDown, so, just, I can't, okay, Sheamus, Ricochet, Jinder Mahal, and I believe, okay, let me see, Get my notes here, sorry folks, I apologize, that's mm-hmm. it, NXT 2.0, that's not it, okay, NXT, AEW, Full Gear, <laughs> Edge, Edge, where the hell did I put SmackDown, oh, here we are, here we are, Ricochet, Sheamus, Cesaro, and Jinder Mahal It wasn't a bad match Folks, except for the fact that we knew Sheamus was going to win thanks to Ridge Holland's Interference on the outside And um, If it weren't for That, then you probably Would have seen Ricochet as a member of the team Which I would not have minded But now, Team Smackdown Is comprised Unfortunately uh, Sheamus I am so used to calling him Baron Corbin, but Happy Corbin, freaking retarded name, gimmick name, um, versus Team Raw, which we'll discuss later in the Survivor Series preview. Uh, let's see here. So then after that, you see Jeff Hardy interview. Apparently, they love interviewing this poor guy. Jeff Hardy's an amazing dude, but his interview skills are such to be desired. So anyways, um, Mad Cat Moss. And Corbin interrupt, thank God. Mad Cat Moss, when Jeff Hardy was a match made official by Adam Pearce. Doors truly. Uh, yes, truly, that is. So then after that, we have a Survivor Series preview of something we have all seen before, but I don't mind, because I personally want to see Becky slap the shit out of uh, Charlotte. There, I said it. Um, Aaliyah... Naomi versus Shayna and Natalia. I don't know what they are building And I don't give a shit I honestly think that every single time You know what was going on It was an NXT official this time That did the screw job So Yeah Fun shiz Moving on They promote again A legend who will always be a legend In wrestling I don't care What people say. Bruno San Martino is going to be honored at the Barclays Center this Sunday um, in Brooklyn. He was a legend in New York and sold out Madison Square Garden and was champion for a very, very long time. And they did a promo on him and had a lot of uh, famous people talk about him. Famous wrestlers, Hogan, uh, John Cena, so on and so forth. Okay, so... Sammy Zayn and Sonya Deville are seen backstage talking about it, so I really didn't, well, Sammy Zayn's going to participate in a 25-man battle royal, which at this point, folks, I don't know what his future holds with WWE, it's not going to be a very long one. Anyways, uh, skipping past that, Mad Cat Moss versus Jeff Hardy, so Jeff Hardy was left. Well, if you have this guy in your corner, then I'm going to have, well, Drew McIntyre, dude with the freaking big-ass sword and pyro and such. And Jeff Hardy ends up winning the match. Yay. Woohoo! Um. Okay. So there's a recap of Xavier Woods and Roman Reigns and the beatdown that Xavier Woods endured from the Bloodline. It doesn't surprise me there. Okay. So then Kayla interviews Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman accepted on behalf of the tribal, his tribal chief, the match between Xavier Woods and Roman Reigns later on. So, oh, wait, wait, wait. There's some stuff in between that I forgot. Sorry. Sasha Banks versus Shotzi Blackheart. I didn't forget. Never mind. Um. (laughs) Oh, okay. Before the Sasha shots, he was Angel Garza and Nakamura. I can't do the soprano that Rick Boogs did. I hate that name. I'm sorry, Rick Boogs. I sorry. I sorry. I get distracted, but it was it was a it's a decent match, I guess you could say. Nakamura ended up winning, and then after the match, Angel Garza and his cousin attacked Nakamura from behind and then they retreated. Whatever. Um, okay, so then we had Shotzi Blackheart versus Sasha Banks. It was a it was a good storytelling match. Um Uh at the end they were supposed to shake hands because Sonia said if you don't shake hands then neither of you will participate in this Sunday's Survivor series match. Who cares? We all know Sasha Banks is going to backstab you if you shake her hand and she did. True to form. Backstabber. At the end of shaking Shati's hand. So Okay, Xia Lee dude, this was cool. I thought that the comic book promo for Zia Lee was it was not cheesy at all. It was actually pretty (coughs) cool. They did the graphics and everything for it. I liked it. Uh Although yeah. So then we have the interview uh with Tony Storm was interrupted by Charlotte Flair. And then we have Xavier Woods versus Roman Reigns, which never happened because Big E prize appearance at Hartford, Connecticut, starts beating the ever living shit out of the Usos, throws them out of uh throws them out from the entrance. And then Roman Reigns comes to get him and Big E and Roman, it's on. So there's no match at all. It's just a brawl between Big E and Roman Reigns. Then Big e is about to hit the big ending, Roman slips out, and then and whatever they, they hype up Survivor series, that's it. So that was your quick recap of Friday night Smackdown.
3: It seems as if uh that they're gonna be going with just the um Universal title versus the world uh the WWE Championship SC thing for Survivor Series if that's how they close the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was disappointed, dude, that nobody from Raw, like they've done this years in the past. I think they're just there's no way to slop that together. There's no build at all like there normally is when it's Survivor Series. I think there's a lot of uh distractions, if you will, going on in the company, sure. they're, firing, they're firing a lot of people and I just I was disappointed there's no, well of course NXT really can't invade, they have nothing to go off of and two I mean they could but
3: it was that would be fun. really stupid and pointless because they are not they are not the third brand they are the developmental league and they will not be doing stuff like that my guy
1: I know, but I'm just saying, like it's it's highly disappointing. They had no like invasion angle, no excitement, and it's just like here's Survivor Series.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, as as of late, the the Usos or you know the the family or bloodline or whatever it's called has been fu- feuding with the New Day. So I guess like really, it's just going to be the big thing about Survivor Series is just going to come down to. Big E versus Roman Reigns. Um, so let's run down. Let's run down Survivor Series. Do you have the Survivor Series card on hand so we can uh, give our predictions?
1: I actually do. Okay, so Big E versus Roman Reigns, Universal Champion versus let's, World Heavyweight, World Heavyweight Champion. Let's
3: start the other way, my friends. Let's, okay. let's 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 start with the main event. So the. Inf- Continental Champion, Nakamura versus Damian Priest. Um, To be honest, I think that we're going to see Damian Priest take that and win over Nakamura because Nakamura (laughs) is not winning. He's not winning matches right now. He hasn't defended the title since August and at this it just appears that he's just a high stakes or a, a high uh, a high a high card job guy. So I'm taking Damian Priest.
1: I'm taking Damian Priest too because I mean, even with the uh, hype about this whole thing, I, I just pray that they give us a match. And I know we've been wrong before about predictions, but I'm going to say Damian Priest on this one because you're right. He really hasn't defended had any title defenses. I mean roster is depleted and I don't know who he could possibly defend um, his title again, but that's besides the point that was the intercontinental champion versus the United States champion prediction. We move on to the women's match team SmackDown featuring captain Sasha Banks, Shotzi Blackheart, Shayna Baszler, Natalia and Tony storm. The recent addition just added by Sonya Deville, Versus Team Raw, which is Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, Carmella, and Zelina
3: Vega. I'm gonna take Team Raw in that because it doesn't there. It didn't seem like there was any names on the SmackDown team. Of no, and Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair are gonna be on the Raw team. So I say at the it's either gonna be a clean clean sweep for Raw, or at least at the bare minimum um Bianca and Bianca and Rhea are going to be your sole survivors
1: I believe so too because you have the most dysfunctional team that I just listed that cannot they're like well sometimes you just have a unity I'm like well you have Shotzi and Sasha who hate each other Shane and Natalia who used to be mortal enemies and then oh yeah so Tony Storm joins his team that's That's a random wild card uh, for this one. I'm going with Team Raw as well because look at who they have. They have more unity on their side than they do, you know, dysfunction, which is the story angle that they're going with for SmackDown. So I am going to say that if if anybody gets eliminated, (laughs) the most first one's probably going to be Shatley. Second, probably going to be Sasha Banks, probably going to be they're going to save her for last. I don't know what their plans are, but let me tell you this. I've seen Raw and SmackDown. I've watched as it progressed. I don't see Smack see Smackdown always gets swept under the rug for this and I'll be very fucking surprised if they get any win at all at Survivor Series on Sunday.
3: I um I I, I agree with that. I, I definitely could see that. So we got we got the uh, Raw Women's Team taking that. What's what's uh what's next?
1: So we have the Men's Match, which is uh, okay. So Team Raw featuring Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, and Austin Theory versus Team SmackDown: Drew McIntyre, Xavier Woods, Jeff Hardy, Happy Corbin. And the latest edition was uh, Seamus. Oh, boy. The men's contrast to women's, dude. I, this one, I'm just like, I put my face in my, my head, my, uh, my palm, dude. It's like face to palm moment. It's like the contrast of dysfunction and dysfunction. I think they literally just said, here's the men's. Match Is going to be at Barclays So I hope WWE Appreciates Brutal Honesty Because where I'm from It I mean it doesn't matter who, Where you're from This match better not stink It best not fucking stink Otherwise you're going to see people going to the T-shirt stand or the title belt stand And going alright Cool there's a lot of big names in this match I'll give it that um, There's one problem why Why is the theme, dis, you know, dysfunction at the junction? God, Miss Mauro Ranello. I just, I, I see Team Raw taking this again because SmackDown just screams. I mean, there's going to be one moment in the match where you know it's coming. There's going to be one dysfunction and then one person is going to. Okay, let me read from this list. McIntyre and. Happy Corbin. Does anyone get along with Corbin on the roster? No. So, I mean, throwing the men's match together. Oh, yeah. Let's throw these guys together because their name's out of the hat, and uh, we'll just put them together and see how the fans react. Sucks. So sucks. (laughs) My thoughts exactly. Uh Uh-huh. My thoughts exactly. So, oh, Oh, vomit puke. We've seen this a thousand times. Charlotte Flair, the SmackDown Women's Champion, the Friday SmackDown Women's Champion representing SmackDown, versus the last kicker, Becky Lynch, two out of the four horsewomen that
3: still exist.
2: Uh,
3: frankly, I, I don't know. I don't care. I don't care. I don't like either. I don't like either of them. So if I had, but if, since we're in, since we have to pick one and I had to put my name and pick a name out of a hat, I'd probably Charlotte. pick Charlotte.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's raw. It's never been down. Hell fucking Christ. Sorry, I'm going to hell for, you know, just saying this. But dear Lord, when somebody please tell the old man to book differently because for the last how many years that they've been doing Survivor Series, Raw always clean, sweep. SmackDown. SmackDown only gets the kickoff show. The kickoff show, for fuck's sakes. Change the shit. Moving on, before I go off the rails, off tangent, and start rambling incoherently to where my partner will punch his fist through the phone, never mind. We're moving on. Biggie versus Roman
3: Reigns. Roman, all the way. Roman, 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 Roman. They'll probably they'll probably have Roman kick the shit out of him, probably in a, probably a twelve minute match. I w- I probably think I think that the uh, men Survivor Series match will probably get twenty five minutes at least. And I think that Roman is gonna kick the shit out of Biggie in like fourteen minutes tops, with with instances.
1: See, that's pretty. I hate sad. to say it
3: like that. Why is everybody like
1: the shit in my hometown SummerSlam? 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 The only cool no, thing what, that ever happened. What are you
3: talking about?
1: Like, okay, the pay-per-view quality is what I'm talking about. Like, they've had okay. I went to all the SummerSlam's folks, and none of them were of quality. The match that only made everyone laugh was Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar, where they both sat up and ha ha at each other, okay? I have seen shit-tastic match after shit match that uh, the main tape reviews, when Braun Strowman was still in the company, okay? when Samoa Joe was still in the company. And I feel, I personally feel that when WWE goes to New York, it's always like, Hey, we're here. We got a card that we just slopped together, and no and none of not even care. So, what are we going to do for War Games? I don't know. I mean, the War Games comes what after. What are you talking about? I'm talking Why about. You, the,
3: what?
1: I'm sorry. Let me start over. The quality of pay-per-view that's in Brooklyn, where I'm from, whenever they have a show at Barclays Center, dude, it's not been that great. I'm sorry I went off topic. But every time the WWE has come to the Barclays Center – Unless it was an NXT takeover, the main roster shows have stunk up the joint.
3: There, it doesn't. It they're not gonna book or or put a special card together just because it's Brooklyn. That I know, so dude, but I,
1: I would hope too, you know. that they was, at one point in time they put at least a half decent one together.
3: They're not gonna be like, hey guys, we have to put on a better show just because it's New York. It doesn't work like <laughs> that. <laughs> I know. It doesn't go that, that way. All
1: right. All right. So, like that.
3: If okay. if the WWE tour was taking them to Sandusky, Ohio, or. Cleveland or, you know, just some other small other, uh, small other place, that's, they would get the same show. It just so happens that they just happen to be in Brooklyn. I know.
1: I know. So, folks, that is our Survivor Series card prediction. Sorry for the random incoherencies from me. My apologies. But uh, we, okay, so what do we want to start with next? Do we want to go to Dynamite, then Full Gear,
3: or? Um, I'm gonna uh, let's. We're gonna go into uh, let's go. We'll go into Full Gear first. But um, okay. I've been um watching a little ICW this weekend, and uh, Calvin. I want to point out Calvin Tankman is having some having some phenomenal matches. He had an absolute banger. With Brett Eisen last night, and he just had a fucking crazy match with PCO. Um, so, yeah, man, ICW is going strong this weekend. Let's get right into AEW. Full Gear. Full Gear was a fucking good show, man. I really, 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 really enjoyed Full Gear. MJF, MJF versus Darby was the first, was your first match, and right away I liked MJF lavender, Macho Man style robe, and uh, yeah, that got a ton of heat right away. I thought it was
1: pretty cool. I mean, it's like it was unique. It was a different entrance. Darby's entrance was really cool. You know, it's sort of like a car and crashing and mm-hmm. all that jazz. And I was just like, um, wow. You know, i I personally just want to tell everybody that the the hype lived up to or the hype for that match was very very good and. MJF he is just not your basic heel he is the excellent heel one
3: where you, yeah. you, will, love, you will love to hate him yeah he really unloaded the roster he unloaded the uh, arsenal here and really worked Darby's back I really liked uh, all the back breakers on the back on uh, on Darby's back and um, it was really 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 nasty when Darby missed the coffin drop on the apron and um MJF really made him fucking pay for it with a just ton of offense on that back, man.
1: Um, the fact that he he uses uh, the MJF had hyped it before, like, I'm going to beat you with a side headlock takeover. Um, and the stuff leading up to that, they were doing hole for hole, matching each other step for step. And they really. <laughs> I like yeah. the of the match. It was great. The ring to basically yeah. they actually beat him with a side headlock takeover. Stroke is Yeah. I like how
3: they – I like how he worked. I like how he worked his back a lot, and um, I really like the tombstone on the apron. And then um, I like when Darby was setting up for the coffin drop, so – MJF roll to the floor, and so Darby did the coffin drop to the floor. Um, I didn't really like the finish as I didn't really like the finish as much. I like that he used the the diamond ring, and I like that he used the um, headlock takeover to pin him. Um, but I just thought it was I I, I just thought these. The skateboard, the, the the skateboard setup was. It kind of just brought the match down. uh kind of slowed it down a little bit. I thought I didn't like that paint, but like I, I just thought it just really stopped everything up. But um, I, I enjoyed that MJF won that match. Um, next up was FTR versus the. Lucha Brothers. I really did not like this match that much. I think this was um, just one of those things where on paper you think it's going to be good with FCR being such a fantastic tag <laughs> team, and Lucha, the Lucha Brothers just being so fucking crazy and just doing all the fucking high spots and whatnot. I just didn't. I didn't think this really worked for me.
1: It was so bad. I mean, the contrast of style, man, you have Smash Mouth and uh, a little bit of high-flying high ability from FTR, and then Lucha Bros. just was so fast-paced, it was a mismatch made in hell, I mean, you know, totally tried to keep the um, FTR together as, as their manager, and then it's just like, uh, the taste of the match was very, like, the timing was often in tag-team, like, tag-team shit, man especially on a pay-per-view you have to uh you have to be able to work cohesively is, is healing your face that wasn't the problem the problem was the the style of wrestling on both ends it was like it was bad it wasn't it, wasn't it didn't bad yeah it didn't bad.
3: work it didn't, it didn't really work that well um i really liked when um when one of the guys from FTR laid in a really nasty European uppercut and Jr. mentioned Dory Funk Jr. and Lord Alfred Hayes and I really felt like Excalibur had no fucking idea who he was talking about and just kind of yeah, 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 J.R. Also, I really, really like this big-ass fucking brain buster that Dax had to Dax had to, um, Dax hit on um, one of the Lucha Brothers. I read, I read later on in the week though that Dax caught a heart, caught a really bad, a really bad concussion, and they had to change the match on the fly a little bit to um, accommodate his injury. The FDR picked up the win after trying to do the Killer Bee's move with the whole silly mask thing. I really didn't think it worked, but. I I really hope this is one of those things that AEW um, finishes up. They have a tendency AEW where they either let a let a feud run too long or they cut it too fast. And I hope this is the other one. They cut it too fast. Next up we got the we had the number one the number one contender match for the the uh, AEW title, Bryan Danielson versus Miro, and I really fucking enjoyed this match, my bro. I
1: did too. They put on a hell of a show. Like, I was expecting that Miro would dominate and Brian Danielson would play like the ultimate baby phase, come back, come back. No. Like, he told his story from beginning to finish. Like, one would try to submit and the other would counter. They would tease their finish, you know. And Miro was the powerhouse, yes, but Brian Danielson, um, he did an excellent job of changing his offense just a slight bit. Still a lot of kicks and a lot of, you know, not too many high-flying stuff. But I felt that this match was very good. It was very good pace. It told the story, but in, I think, yeah, Brian Danielson ended up tapping out
3: Miro, I believe. No, um, Brian didn't tap out to Miro. It was the other way around, Brian Danielson – hit a flying DDT off the top rope and ended up choking out Miro to win the match and win the number one contendership. He is the number – Brian Danielson is the number one contender for the AEW championship, and we will get to the results of the Kenny Omega-Adam Page match. Next, we got the big, wild street fight with the super elite of the Young Bucks and Adam Cole taking on Christian and Jurassic Express.
1: Oh, man. All I got to say is, holy shit.
3: Um, you, You know... You know how I feel about the Young Bucks. I watch their matches because I enjoy their stuff more than Chris Jericho's stuff. And we'll get to Chris Jericho in a little bit when we get there. But um, there's there's nothing new here. You you saw you saw the same normal stuff. But I would I would want to point out that um, Adam Cole was bleeding in this match and uh, Tony Tony Schiavone hates Adam Cole, so I think that is a really, really, really funny, 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 funny little storyline there.
1: You can tell they both is like every time that Tony Schiavone announces Adam Cole I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. We're gonna hear legitimize shooting Tony Schiavone on Adam Cole. Beat his ass, bro. But like,
3: really, dude?
1: Every it's not a legitimate
3: time. shoot. It's just it's just basically because Adam Cole is Adam Cole is a dickhead and he's Britt Baker's boyfriend and uh Brit Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone have like a father daughter like relationship on AEW television. So it's just funny to see that it's it's funny to see that uh unfold during the during this match. Did you see when Matt Jackson hit that gigantic flying elbow drop from the uh inside of the ring to the floor on Luchasaurus?
1: Yes I did.
3: Yes, sir. That was a fucking beautiful, beautiful, beautiful spot. And right after that uh, Jungle Jack Perry hit a fucking beautiful uh, Rana on someone through a table that looked fucking great.
1: I believe that probably was probably, it wasn't Adam Cole, it had been one of the young bucks.
3: Yes, sir. That was, There was a lot going on in this match. At one point Christian jumped from the balcony, which I thought was Pretty fucking wild because that was a high spot, and he was uh, Christian is an older guy, so good for him, man. Um, also, Adam Cole hit a Canadian destroyer on the ramp at some point. Um, I did not like the thumbtacks and the mouth thing. I think that's really stupid, but um, the Jurassic Express and Christian win at some point. I don't remember what the finish was. Next, we got Pac and Cody versus Black and Andrade. Uh, I didn't really like this match at all, and it's really just four guys who they just kind of stuck together and they only went with, this guy can't trust this guy, and the other guy can't trust his partner either, and the match itself was fine, but it really wasn't all that great to me.
1: Let me, okay. It was your basic dysfunction. I'm going to use this phrase again. Malfunction at the junction match between, because you had Pac, or the bastard Pack and uh, Cody, who literally forced a lot of shit. And it was so disingenuous, so insincere and let me let me just say this, man it wasn't a bad, terrible match. it's just when the crowd boots the baby face, not one, but two three four times, actually multiple times in the match because they feel like you are putting them in a rock in a heart putting them between a rock and a hard place and it's just like I really feel like it was not the greatest of feelings between what Cody was trying to portray. And we have a caller on the line. Hang on one second, man. Um, I'm going to see who this is. Hello, what's up? How's it going? Who is this? Is there, is there somebody on the line, dude? Block you wanna, talk yeah. radio.
0: Please hold and you will be able
1: to listen to the show. Hello? He in the courtroom. Would I ever think that uh, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse crying in the courtroom would would mean anything? Yeah, What's going on well. here? Okay, that was some random call that I will never put through again. Um. I what the
0: fuck was that? What the fuck
2: was He's that? He's crying
1: in the courtroom. He's crying in the courtroom. What the fuck, dude? You're going to call and put on HLN? This is a wrestling podcast. Somebody cracked all of us. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck was that, dude? Okay. got me out of my mojo just a tad bit. Folks, we apologize for the inconvenience or the comical error that oh I may have God. made, but
3: Okay, let's get back on the ball. Let's get back on the ball. Uh, uh, Pac picks up the win after the Black Arrow. Cash Wielder runs in and tackles Pac and puts the boots to him and uh, kicks his ass a little bit (laughs) afterwards. Next we got Tay Conti and Britt Baker. And I was very interested in this match because I think this is um, a lot of pressure on both of these ladies because I think I I I know that you and I disagree on, on Britt I think that uh I think that um she's capable of having a good match and Conti is um Conti is getting good but she's still relatively very new. So I was hoping I was hoping for the best. And uh right away I really like the opening exchange between the two between Conti and Britt Baker. I like the uh Brazilian paint the the face paint that Conti had across her eyes. Um Britt always has a good opening a good uh entrance. So this was off to a this was off to a fine start. It was good. I thought
1: it was a decent uh beginning. I just think that there their match, you know, like their the stuff. I I was annoyed by Jamie Hader at ringside. I mean, honestly, was she drunk? Or <laughs> was she I was wondering if she was drunk or she was sober because no one yells that loud, like as loud as Sensational Sherry did, you know, back in the you day. You know,
3: I, <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because I um well, I I wrote that down. Uh, Jamie Hader and Rebel were making a lot of noise tonight. And I don't mind a lot of noise. I feel like if you're going to be down there, get fucking active and make some fucking noise and try to get your person over. Do your job.
1: I mean, is this AEW's counterpart? I mean, I don't think so, but I'm just going to add this in, in my notes as well. So we have a lot of female factions going on in wrestling right now, and um, you have Toxic Attraction, and you have Rip Baker's faction. And I think that this is very uh interesting because in this match they seldom interfered, and when they tried to you know tie or take hanti you know basically thwarted it and you know did the stereotypical baby face. I was disappointed um that Miss Baker still is champion that's you know personal bias. I really don't like her at all. I think she's an overrated uh-huh. i think she's an overrated overheight. She needs to lay in her shit. No, she needs to lay in her shit more. And two, I feel like she did a half decent job for a a women's title match. That's my opinion.
3: (laughs) Oh Lord, Jesus Christ. It just sounds like it sounds like she beat you up in school. <laughs>
1: no, dude. It's just the fact that she's she, overrated. I mean what's Santa Basin's. No, she's
3: not. She's perfectly rated kid. just fine. No, she's not. There's not a there's not some giant woman women's wrestling pool to like compare her to. So it's not like she's, she's got a lot of fucking competition to be rated against. I mean, Bro, her promo skills are oh, great. No, dude, her promo Bro, skills are
1: great. Her wrestling is fucking horrible.
3: Nah. Her matches are just fine.
1: Okay, moving forward. This match was,
3: this match was great. This match was great. She hit that big, airy crash on the floor. And there was that there was that real nice awesome fucking gotch style pile driver from Conti. This was awesome, man. This was a great fucking match with a lot of like. This was this was this was a great like heel using 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 the the back using the interference and using that and having her survive that only to get caught up in that lock jaw. but surviving the lock to roll up, to just be pinned by a roll up. I loved it. And it, it made coffee look strong and Britt breaker used all the like heel tricks to like have that perfect, like little heel match, man. You're not seeing it, bro. You're not seeing it. I-
1: I'm sorry, but she strikes me as one-hit wonder. That's what she strikes me as. And she really, to me, who's going to step up to the plate against Britt Baker? Because if she beats everyone on the roster, which, okay, is Jade Cargill going to be the one after she wins the TBS, you know, Women's Championship Tournament? Is she going to be the one to step to Britt Baker and be like, uh-huh, you know, I think you missed something. I'm a champion. You're a champion. Gonna, Why don't we unify I'm the champions? I'm going tell
0: you.
3: Bro, I'm going to tell you, bro. You haven't watched the show. You haven't watched AEW enough. She had a ton of bangers against she had a ton of bangers against Thunder Rosa. She had the she had that sweet match against Ruby Soho. She just had that fucking awesome match against Statlander on the pay-per-view. She just just defeated Cheetah for the belt. She's got nothing but little hits right now. You're just now getting onto the show, my guy. I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, I'm just saying,
1: like, once she runs out of people, I mean, they do have, like, 300 people on the fucking rosters, so...
3: Yeah, I <laughs> think said, they're not gonna, that's gonna, that's gonna run out of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> There's it's a ton say. of she women they can feed.
1: So, let's pick a scrub off the street so make Britt Baker look like, you know... <laughs> Anyhow, I'm I'm not so sold on yeah. her at all I'm not sold on her at all, dude. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I
3: think like maybe like I think like maybe watch it a little bit more, and I think your opinion will be a little can at least be a little bit further backed up maybe down the road because we both know you just started watching AEW within the last month or so.
1: I force myself to watch it because some of their shit makes me cringe.
3: Well, we should be watching it because it's the second it's the second Fed, and you know we should be talking about. It's always fair to
1: expand horizons when you watch wrestling shit. Just be stuck to being one-dimensional. That's why I'm forcing myself, folks, to honestly watch this shit because if I sit here and strictly talk about a company who literally only has 32 people on NXT and that amount on both main roster, then I think we, I would bore you all to tears.
3: And um, I, I, <laughs> so, Eddie Kingston versus
1: CM Punk. Yes. One of the best matches of the night.
3: Yeah. Um, Yeah, this was a fight. This was just a fight. This wasn't pretty. This was not... This was tape your fists up. No cool moves. We're just going to punch each other in the fucking face.
1: (laughs) And Eddie Kingston had a smile on his face. He had a smile on his face when he cut Punk
3: open. It was great. Yeah, this was a fantastic, fantastic match, and I would have liked, uh, I would have liked, um, you know, maybe something would have gone a little shorter, so maybe we could have cut three minutes off the ladies' match and maybe cut five off the uh, the uh, street fight to give King and Punk a little bit more time, but for 12 minutes, this was action-fucking-packed, and uh yeah, man, when Kingston was coming to the ring with his fist tape, you already knew what kind of match it was going to be. Um There wasn't a lot to write here, brother. This was just a fight.
1: Yeah, it was a <laughs> according to JR. It was a fist fight, and he said, I could watch this match over and over again.
3: Yep. Yep, 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 and uh, during this match, uh, uh, Punk got some blood, and so the finish came when um, when uh, Punk hit the GTS and put Kingston down. And I really think that Eddie's time in Eddie's time in uh, AEW has been fucking fantastic, and he's he's been great. And he uh, Kingston wrote that big article that got picked up by. Some some website where he talked about how much uh, wrestling meant to him. So Eddie Kingston is really really connecting with the people right now, and I think people are really seeing his passion and his ability ability to just talk and just get over what the crowd is doing. It's it's really great right now. And uh, Punk Punk, and punk was the was the perfect person for him to fight. Man, I loved it.
1: It messed really well, and it started out the match with a haymaker, and the announcers like, well, "Why didn't he end the match? Because damn it, we wanted to see a Pier six brawl." Yes,
3: sir. Yes, sir. Um, next, uh, next, uh, we got the we got the Minneapolis Street Fight with America's top team and the Inner Circle, and um, I skipped this altogether because I'm over, I'm done, I'm not doing anything with Chris Jericho anymore, bro, for at least for a while. I need a fucking break. It's too much. It's too fucking much. And I think he's bringing down, I really do bring, think he's bringing out, down Sammy Guevara and um, um, Proud and Powerful. And I fast to this, so I got nothing to offer to this other than I know that Baron, Baron Von Rasky put the claw on somebody at some point.
1: Oh, well, the like the ode to Eddie Guerrero. Chris Jericho hit a frog splash, which I guess, and, and on Dan Lambert of all people, I'm like you hit a stapler of Dan Lambert's head, so you beat a manager's ass. Cool. Got a crowd pop. And then you see the frog splash, and they were chanting, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. That's all I have.
3: Um. Yeah, the inner circle obviously won. So moving on, fuck that. So from now on, I'm calling it the Chris Jericho rule, and the Chris Jericho rule means I'm not watching it. <laughs> I'm not watching it. Next up, we had a we had an announcement from Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone announced that Jay Lethal is all elite, and he is coming. He is signed with the company, and he will be taking on Sammy Guevara at Dynamite for the TNT Championship. This is a fantastic signing for All Elite Wrestling. This, Jay Lethal is a fantastic wrestler and a really, really, really hard worker, and he is someone you want on your roster in any capacity, and he'll be great at any any spot that he wrestles in. Jay Lethal is, like my partner in crime said, he's
1: a wrestler that can talk, he can wrestle he can provide intrigue for your wrestling company oh and by the way his resume we're not going to go over the entire resume but ring of honor impact wrestling made rick flair pissed off there's memes made about it there's youtube clips of it uh, <laughs> this guy is the guy that took some of macho man's entrance and added his own spin to it and two If you haven't watched anything Jay Lethal, you are sorely missing out. This dude gets it, and he is a gift to the wrestling world.
3: Yeah, bro, and it's just too bad to see that because AEW signed him up to a contract, and that means that he will not be at Ring of Honor's final battle, which will be the last show possibly ever for Ring of Honor, but... So yeah, Jay Lethal is all elite and down to the big main event, Adam Page, Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega in um, the World Heavyweight Championship. And I, th- I thought this was a really great job at building Adam Page and making him seem like a real reputable uh, challenger. I also really hope that um now that john moxley has gone is going to rehab i really hope that um they open their eyes and they see that that the adam page drinking thing it was kind of in really poor taste and i really hope they drop it i really really do um they show this uh, match opens with um, adam Page with a sequence of adam page riding through the city a, on a horse getting to the uh getting to the arena and um then uh Kenny Omega made his uh entrance which was trippy and cool and stuff and um then a bunch of wild ass shit happened. <laughs> bunch of fucking crazy moves.
1: And uh one of my favorite lines that JR used was, like how does it affect him? Does it affect the diver or the the divee or the person gets it? I'm like, I love JR when he explains stuff, especially when Tony Schiavone says something and JR interjects and immediately like either corrects it or makes it better. I like the fact that Hangman Page came out on a horse, folks. And then like you see on one screen, his match with Jericho for the very first title match uh, for AEW, and then you see the second one. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um,
2: yeah, bro, it was.
1: was the cowboy shit. Like he won the match, folks. By the way, and he is now your new AEW World Champion.
3: Uh, yeah, we'll get there. Let's let's uh, talk about a little less, a little bit of the highlights. First, okay. my friend. Um yeah so there was a lot of big ass spots um Adam Page went for a V trigger um one of Kenny Omega's moves which you know is a nice little shot so so towards the end of the match when um when um when um when um, when, um, when, um, when, um, when, um the bucks ran out and stood in stood in Adam Page's corner. this was a callback to when Adam Page asked the bucks to be in his corner against Chris Jericho, and they said no and Matt and Nick begrudgingly came down there and gave gave Adam that that sign of approval that you can do it nod that come on, man, you got this and after two bucks Larry's adam page finally finally, finally seals the deal and wins the championship and celebrates with the Dark Order to close out a solid show. I would say. A solid show. I
1: say the show was pretty awesome because like it felt like I don't know it was one of those favorite that you didn't you wouldn't know that the length was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's an hour. And like, oh, man, we got another hour. No, it four hours, folks, that watched it. Like, I took some breaks in between, but had a good pace to it and made you forget that it was like, oh, this is the time limit. No, I, I didn't even care. Like, okay, the my favorite match would probably be Eddie Kingston, CM Punk. Uh, well, first and foremost, Darby Allin versus MJF was phenomenal. Um, yeah,
3: well, it was great.
1: Um, CM Punk for Eddie Kingston may have been short, but I loved it. Uh, the main event really hyped up, a really good. You know, it's like a, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Sheriff, the, sheriff, the sheriff's back in town, and Omega's the outlaw, and, and Hangman Page is going to put him in his place. I fucking love the story that that told. Um, the women's match wasn't Boy. bad. The women's match wasn't bad, despite my personal bias. Okay. But you know, like overall, I I think that AEW is putting something special together. So yeah,
3: bro, they're doing they're doing pretty solid, man. They're getting better, and I think they got a nice shot in the arm with their with the, with these talent pickups and picking up those three guys, Dragon Dragon Punk and Adam Cole was was really really great for them. So next up uh we go right into AEW Dynamite. We got we got to get through this we got to get through this a little bit quicker cuz we got some stuff to get to. Um first uh we got a nice little we got a nice little sad little promo Kenny Omega is taking some time off because he is quite injured. He's been dealing with vertigo issues. He's going to be gone till March. Good for him. He needs some. He needs some time because even, per, barring my personal opinion, he has been having some fantastic matches and he has been going very very hard. Next we got an Adam Page celebration with the Dark Order in tow, and uh, they talked a bunch of sh- they talked a bunch of shit until American Dragon came out and he cut a heel promo, and uh, Bryan Danielson's going heel here and mentioned WrestleMania and said. uh, you know, when I did WrestleMania thirty I main evented and I was on Raw the next fucking night wrestling and uh I'm gonna take out every member of the Dark Order, starting with you, you fat bitch, uh, fat, uh Evil Uno, fat fuck. <laughs> um, let's get it let's get it going. Um, Brian Danielson and Evil Uno was your first match and this was a lot of strikes, man. A lot, uh Uno got his ass kicked.
1: I okay. I'm gonna say this. I thought it was funny when Brian Danielson said, "Come on, man, you gotta chop me harder." And instead of chopping him, yeah. Well, Brian Danielson comes right back and slaps him. I'm like, "Thank you." I don't know what it is about evil Uno. You know? I just can't really. I just thought you know, I was you, like, well, he's giving it us all, but Brian Danielson just it like, "Come on, man."
3: Yes sir. Um I think that Brian Danielson works better as a heel and going into this it was it going into a uh Dragon versus Adam Page match, I think it'd be a better idea to go with a um a heel Brian Danielson. I just hope that Adam Page wins this. I know that some people disagree with me and think the title should be on a larger star in a pivotal time. But barring or forget forget, uh, going past that Tony's not going to do that. And he's probably going to want to stick with his friends no matter what the cost. So I think if Dragon is going to be fed to Adam Page first, I think they're going to have some good matches. We got a great heel promo from MJF. I don't remember the details, so we're going to keep going. Then we got highlights from Eddie Kingston and CM Punk, which I very, very, very much like. And that brought us up to a... Um, Eddie Kingston promo that got uh, that got interference from 2.0 and Daniel Garcia, which turned out pretty funny. When Eddie King, after talking a bunch of shit to these three guys, he ended the segment by saying, "I'm going to I'm going to catering."
1: <laughs> that was, he's like, "Well, oh God, I just want to get through one promo, one in promo. I swear to
3: God." Then he's like, "I'm going to catering." Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, in a continuation of the feud that's never going to fucking end, the Hardy family office or whatever came out with the butcher and the blade to take on Orange Cassidy and the stone pit bull from New Japan, Tomohiro Ishii from Chaos. And the oddest pairing of the year, my friend, that was an odd pairing. Yes, sir. Uh, for the fans who don't, who aren't aware with Tomohiro, who Tomohiro Ishii is. He's a bad motherfucker from New Japan, pro wrestling, and he's a brawler, and you see a whole bunch of heavy strikes and motherfuckers getting dropped on their heads, so it's a little it's a little silly to see him working with a comedy guy like Orange Cassidy. Uh, the, the finish came when Ishii hits a fucking brain buster on somebody. Um, then we got a terrible, terrible, terrible Andrade promo, I was not into it. Next, we got Sheeta and Nyla Rose in a in a um, a, uh, uh, um, a tournament match for the TBS Championship, and uh, Nyla Rose picked up the win after the stretch muffler on Sheeta's knee. You got anything? You got you got any, you remember anything from that?
1: Sharita Dee was in the audience, and she helped.
3: Yes, sir. She she's continuing that feud with Sheeta, who are having good who are having good matches with each other. MJ, MJF came out once more, and he was interrupted by C M Punk, and M J F offered his hand to Punk, and C, uh, CM walks out on him. Whatever. Darby Allen had a. Uh, I know you got I, I Let's uh, not glaze that over. If if they're gonna go right into MJF versus CM Punk, that should be very fucking good. But both of those guys seem like they're already locked in something. MJF has something going on with Darby, and Punk still needs still needs to do stuff with Eddie Kingston. Maybe it's a little too soon, but I don't. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it.
1: I think they may, or may. I don't know AEW's creative minds, but they're just probably teasing the shit. I don't know. I hope they don't jump into a feud right away because, like you said, the arcs are already built for Punk versus Kingston and mm-hmm. MJF and Darby Allin, Man, I think they just keep it, keep it, you know, keep it at a teaser level. That'd be great.
3: Yeah, man, that's, uh, definitely a potential I want to be, I want to see, uh, Darby, and, uh, Darby had a, had a promo that was, I think, interrupted by the Gun Club, Billy Gunn, badass Billy Gunn and his kids beat up Darby Allen, I guess, uh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like, I guess, um, you could tell uh, how enthused yeah. Darby it's was. Like, not <laughs> like, I don't
1: I'm care I'm big you could tell how enthused Darby Allen was to see Billy Gunn. He's like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, you know what? I have something to add at the beginning of the show. You know when Brian Anderson come out to the ring and starts talking about how Hangman Page only works three times a year and all this, that, the other. I thought uh-huh. it was hilarious when he mentioned. And I rush he goes, I wrestled after or I won my championship and the word WrestleMania was like a dagger to their hearts. It was fucking funny.
3: It was funny. Yeah, that funny. definitely that definitely got a reaction. That definitely great. got a reaction. Um next we got Leo Rush and Dante Martin in a great match against the acclaimed man.
1: That actually you know what, those four put on a decent style match like there's a lot of kicks and flips and flippy flippy shit. I thought Leo Russ really I mean he put his shit together. Jose Martin. That dude definitely has skill. Um I wasn't surprised. I I think so too. I don't think look I was surprised when Team Taz was gonna come out though, because it's like didn't they just try to sign Dante Martin over to Team Taz? So. Yes, um,
3: Dante Martin. Dante Martin definitely looks very scared in his eyes, though he does not look comfortable in his own skin. But um, he could do a whole bunch of flippy stuff. And Leo Rush and Dante Martin pick up the win after a. We double jump moonsault into the big gigantic frog splash from Leo from Leo Rush. Then we got uh, another promo from Lucha Express and Christian. I don't mind these guys being together, no big deal. But whatever, I guess they're still doing they're they're still a group for the time being. Uh, Jay Cargill and Red Velvet had some words. Um. Lucha Lucha and Lucha Brothers had a had a, another promo and I wanted to point out that Pentagon had a fucking sweet had an absolutely sweet
1: Uh-oh. uh oh I don't know what um. sweet uh, sweet to be desire heart I don't know Pentagon Okay, so moving on was... Oh, yeah, that Alucha Rose promo. And then after that, you had the main event with Jay Lethal and Sammy Guevara. And where, oh, where is all the great things gone? Sammy Guevara and Lethal put on a hell of a show. It was very back and forth. Um... Did a lot of high flying in this. It was a TNT championship match, folks. It was the first open challenge to make it to the main event on AEW. There we go, there's pizza. There we are, my dear. This damn blog talk. We'll be moving platforms here soon. Welcome back to the show, the one the only loyal co host, Pizza
3: Simpson. Yo yo, uh, where do we leave off? Penta had a sweet. Oh, Penta had a sweet, uh, Penta had a sweet venom mask. I really like that. I noticed too, dude, because I draw a
1: lot of venom. Actually, I was like, man, whoever made his
3: mask can, you did a great job, dude. Yes, sir. Um, let's finish this up. Um, Sammy Guevara defeated Jay Lethal in a great, 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 great main event with his uh, reverse GTS move there. Um, Rampage went as such. Um, I believe um, Jade Cargill won her match over Red Velvet and the Lucha X- press went over Bobby Fish and, and Adam Cole after Bobby Fish gets trapped in the snare trap and Adam Cole walks out on him.
1: I'm not surprised. Those two, like, they Bobby Fish and Adam Cole, I don't think AEW wants to pick up of what uh, was formerly the undisputed, undisputed partners in crime, um, Adam Cole and Bobby fish. So I'm not surprised if that stole at all.
3: Yeah. I think that, uh, rampage is kind of the throwaway show, which I think they need to put a little bit more thought into because, um, yeah, you guys are on a, you guys are doing two shows here. So that was kind of, um, these rampages have just been not worth watching. So um, I think that's uh, AEW for the week. All right. Because,
1: uh, folks, um, in lieu of uh, what we have discussed tonight, if you would like to download us for free, you can do so on iTunes. You can go to Blog Talk Radio, look under Wrestle Radio Network, and download episode for free. We're not done yet because I have we have a special – ...someone that we're going to discuss and uh, was mentioned. So I'm just going to play a little something-something, partner, if you will, just for like 10, 20 seconds maybe. Uh, this gentleman right here is very uh, special in the world of professional wrestling. He's known as the Rated-R Superstar. No, he's not a guest, but we'll just play a little something-something.
0: Basketball
1: is... Fast. God bless it. Stream
0: the action line
1: action yeah. live, folks, on YouTube. God bless it. No, I, I just want to skip the trial. Thank you. God bless. I hate ads. I hate ads. Okay, let's play this back again. Uh, screw ads. Oh hey, we're gonna play a little something, something. Take two. decided to do a biographical discussion about the rated R superstar, better known as Edge.
3: Yes, sir. So, we're going to talk about Edge, who's having a pretty storied run. And um, the first thing that um, the first thing I remember from Edge when he first came in, he came in as that cool loner in 1998 where he was just kind of like a Kind of like a guy, kind of like a cool, you know, kind of like a dude with like sunglasses and wore a trench coat and had long hair. It was like, who's this? Who's this guy? You know, who, who, what's the Edge? You know, and uh, his in his first match, he did a flip dive and legitimately hurt one of Los Boricua's necks and uh, hurt his neck pretty good on a on a on a, on a spot. Not so not a, not a good start for Edge. What do you think?
1: Yeah, that wasn't a great start for the Rated R Superstar, but also um, in my notes, I put that he he had a shocking win, folks. It was July 24th, which was his first title win, and that was against the Intercontinental Champion Jeff Jarrett. So, yes, he had a horrible spot to begin with. He was a loner, what Partner in Crime said, and uh, he was a guy that was very mysterious, very tall. Uh, had a look to him. You didn't know who the hell he was. I didn't know who the hell he was. <laughs> All I was concerned about probably at that time was, when can I see Stone Cold? When can I see The Rock? It wasn't. Oh my god, it's Edge. <laughs> That's because you yeah. who um, i sorry.
3: What?
1: I was going to say, at the time he came in, like... It says, let's see here. Yeah, he didn't have a too good first, you know, first uh, impression when he first entered. So,
3: so Edge's Edge's uh, career got picked up when he when he was put into the brood with his fictitious brother Christian. The, uh, Edge and Christian got a nice little series of uh, matches going with the Hardy Boys that ended with a. With a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic ladder match, at no um, oh, excuse me, they had a ladder match for fifteen thousand dollars and the services of Terry Runnels, and that's what put Edge and Christian and Mad Hart Matt and Jeff on the map.
1: Oh yeah, I remember that. Because if it wasn't for that, the whole I'm going to get uh, Terry Runnels for theirs uh, for our services and. Probably wouldn't have been as flavorful match, if you will, folks. Between that, and the start, the, the stuff that sparked this semi feud between the Hardys and Edge and Christian started at the beginning of that, which was uh, I had completely forgotten about these. When I read that, I was like, Terry Reynolds, what?
3: Yes, yes, yes. So these, ma- this popularity of these matches led to bled into a feud with the Dudley Boys that ultimately. Um, just uh, brought you your very first TLC match between um, Edge, Christian, the uh, Dudleys, and the Hardy Boys, and we both know that those matches revolutionized professional wrestling going forward with tables, ladders, and chairs becoming the norm for many, many, many years to come.
1: It definitely revolutionized it. I mean, I I watched that WrestleMania, and I can... I can distinctly remember seeing Jeff Hardy, you know, hanging with the title belt in hand, and then an Edge off a forty-foot ladder, basically spearing Jeff Hardy in mid-air.
3: Yes, mm-hmm. man. Yes, yes. Fantastic, fantastic, wild, wild, wild stuff. And mm-hmm. this was, um, this was a, this was a trilogy of matches that when um, the second match came at SummerSlam, and then there was another one at uh, WrestleMania 18, I want to say, maybe 17, one of those, but there was a trilogy of TLC matches between the three with the um, Edge Edge and Christian, I believe, winning two of them?
1: They did win two out of three, yes.
3: So, um, the, so after that, 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 uh, that, that, um, that um, sweet run with Edge and Christian was was pretty fucking hilarious throughout 2001. With um, Edge and Christian really taking that comedy role, with the uh, five second pose stuff, with the all the comedy with. Kurt Angle, um, at this time, Edge Ed was really showing that he was multi-dimensional, where he's having these great matches, but he was also showing that he was very, very funny.
1: His sense of humor was definitely great, folks, because he would do stuff like, uh, he would show like, Kurt Angle's pictures, like, yeah, Kurt, I support you, <laughs> on the back of the 8x10, facing the camera, would say, I suck. And, like, yeah, the other 8 by 10 would draw, like, a mustache on Kurt. Um, Edge, regardless, like, during that time frame, it was – yeah, he – let me see here. So, Edge and Christian, the five-second pose, not only the five-second pose, but they had <laughs> – they were a part of a lot of historical matches before, like, the ladder matches. So, like, um, let's see here. Okay, so I I remember this too. Gangrel turned on Edge and Christian and actually joined the Hardys for a little bit. This was like before their tables, ladders, and chair stuff. And I also wrote in here, uh, da, 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 da. oh, they were part of the Survivor Series too, folks. So it was uh, Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys. They actually teamed together at one point versus Too Cool and the Hollies. But Edge and Christian, of course, and the Hardys lost. Sorry if I'm getting off track here. But, yes, they had a lot of great ladder matches, folks. And it revolutionized the way WWE later would turn into a pay-per-view that really sucked nowadays. Tables, ladders, and chairs. But, um... Back to focus. I'm sorry. Let me get back on track. So where were we? We were discussing how they had several ladder matches. They helped revolutionize that aspect of the business.
3: Okay, so where were we? We were... So um, coming into 2001, coming into 2001, the Invasion the invasion angle was going on. And to add a little bit of pepper to the feud, since they didn't have all the guys from WCW, so WWE had to use their own guys to turn on the, turn on WWE to join the Alliance. And they had Christian turn on his partner and brother or whatever on Edge and gives him a concerto, which um led to them having a pretty wild fucking TLC match where Christian took a concerto on the top of a fucking ladder? Yep.
1: I remember. Yes. That, that's where he took the concerto on top of the ladder and then I believe... I don't know what Edge took, but there... Any match with Edge and Christian folks is going to involve crazy shit to begin with. So, a to on the top of the ladder, not once, not twice, but four times.
3: Yeah, man. So, so... um this uh brings this bring, you know after after collecting championships and winning tag titles and united states titles and intercontinental titles the draft happened and which was a great thing for a lot of guys since the roster felt like it was over overcrowded the 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 um the the uh, the the WWF was split into two brands and us uh, Edge was drafted to to the SmackDown brand, which was the was was the which was the hot brand because they had Kurt Angle, they had The Rock, they had the champion Brock Lesnar there, they had Chris Benoit, they had Charlie Haas, Shelton Benjamin. That the 2002 SmackDown roster was absolutely incredible, and at the time, the Edge and the Edge and Eddie Guerrero feud was complete lighting up
1: the WWE. What's this? Okay, so the draft, are you talking about 2003 to 2000, or actually 2005?
3: No, we're talking about the 2002 draft.
1: Okay, because I was going to say, uh, that draft, yes. Edge and Eddie Guerrero's feud. They said that they faced each other maybe only one other time, I think Edge. It was a street fight.
3: Yes, the the feud culminated in a street fight, and a tragic ac- a tragic accident happened during the course of the match when Eddie Guerrero laid in one of his very snug European uppercuts. There was a ladder so happenly placed behind Edge's neck. I don't believe that this was done on purpose, but when. When um, Edge uh, re- received the shot from Eddie, he he flat backed onto the la- the rung of the ladder where his neck hit the rung of the ladder, ultimately breaking his neck and he finished the match. But this brought Edge's this 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 took Edge out of commission for a very 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 long time. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's see uh, doo, 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 doo. He also said, sort of dude, like, the Edge had feuds like, um, let's see here, doo, 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 doo. William Regal, and that was for, like, the Intercontinental Championship and whatnot. And it was a brass knuckles on a pole match, which I had vaguely forgotten about. Okay, and then... WrestleMania 18 with Booker T.
3: Yes, Uh, the third match at WrestleMania, yes. The culmination (laughs) of their storied rivalry that finished with a six-minute match at WrestleMania 18, yes, sir. And then it
1: was, uh, yeah, Edge and Angle was never a dead feud. Their feuds begin and start, you know, like they, at one point, you know, okay, so there was a hair versus hair match with Kurt Angle. I'll never forget that one. Oh, my God. Edge is a freaking fracking genius, and so is Kurt Angle. Why? Because when you put two guys together, you actually give a show, uh, give a show life, and then you have a gimmicks match, like hair versus hair. I'm sorry if I'm going off tangent here, but we are in the timeline of 2001-2003, that was one of the matches that made me die laughing um, back in high school. So, um moving on past my rambling. Okay. Dear Lord. Why? I'm sorry. I'm reading the Instagram, my friend. Um. So, yes. Edge had a rivalry with Eddie Guerrero. He had a rivalry with Kurt Angle. A short one with Booker T. But, uh... Oh, okay. Here's a notable thing. He actually teamed with Hogan, didn't he?
3: Oh, yeah. Where he fought the Un-Americans. That's right. The Un-Americans of Let Storm and uh william regal test and christian and i believe that they won the tag team championships together
1: that yeah they did they uh see hogan team with edge for a brief minute hot minute first Ow. and then all of a sudden at um what's call it so they beat billy and chuck and then they lost to the Un-Americans lance storm and christian and they lost the tag team titles to Lance Swimming and Christian. Um it says let's see here. He faced Eddie at SummerSlam and lost to Eddie at Unforgiven. Uh, and then they faced one other time in the NoDQ Q match that we were talking about. Oh yeah, this is odd. Tagging with Ray Mysterio, I I have vague, vague memories of that, dude. Like, I completely forgot some of Edge's stuff. Like, I had completely forgotten that him and they oh. were part of it. Like, the... Oh. Yeah.
3: You know what him that Ray... was? That was yeah. Rey Mysterio and Edge in a three-way feud against Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle and the Guerreros, Chavo and Eddie, who were having great matches. And they opened the show at Survivor Series. 2002 with Edge and Rey Mysterio picking up the win there in a nice little match that I believe with the, um, I believe the uh, tag titles were involved. I could be mistaken. Yes. The tag
1: titles um, were involved and they lost the tournament because I believe like, they failed to come up short because someone knocked them out of the tournament. I believe it was like, uh, let's see here. So they completed in the tournament. They got all the way to the finals and it was Benoit and Kurt Angle as a team. So Benoit. And Kurt Angle, uh. yeah. yeah, so like, it was like a refresher's course for me because I was like, wait, wait. wait. I had forgotten about the tournament One, and two Angle and Benoit as a team I mean, Yeah, that's are, wild I That's very similar styles um, With Angle being the wrestling tactician The former Olympian Benoit being like your hard hitter Crazy, rabid I will chop your chest off and he also made Yeah, that's the mid- wild. Yeah, that that completely blew my mind. I was like, they actually paired two really good wrestlers together, despite what people say about Benoit. That's not the point of this whole thing. But they got into this tournament, and they paired Ray and Edge together. I was like, this is um, I I don't know.
3: Yeah, bro, that was great. That was a great, 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 great little run. At the time um at the time, this was um hot shit, bro, and edge was really putting in that work, so he was really putting in that work, so when he broke that neck of his man, that really stopped a lot of momentum, and so when he came back he when he came back, he came back with a lot of fanfare man. <sighs>
1: Yeah, Edge has always had that uh, when he leaves and fans just clamor to see him type thing. I mean, it's never failed. So, like, that timeline was, like, okay, so the 2004, like, after that whole tournament thing, um, I believe when Edge came back, he was drafted to Raw?
3: Yes, he was drafted to Raw, and I believe... This is when he returned from the neck injury, and um he was kind of just there and what brings us to the big turning point where he in real life slept with Matt Hardy's then girlfriend Lita which spoil was spilled over onto TV oh man. <laughs> Getting into the
1: nasty, the nasty, nasty, if you will. So Edge and Lita was once upon a time a one-hit wonder, a one-night stand type thing. They were in a relationship. No. No. Edge,
3: <laughs> Matt Hardy and Matt Hardy and Lita had a full-on relationship. I know. That's why I'm laughing, dude, because
1: writing these notes made me feel like I was writing a soap opera.
3: Yeah, um. so I guess I guess uh, Matt and Lita had a relationship, and she started sleeping with Edge, and it spilled out over, and Matt Hardy lost his job, and Edge got a heel push.
1: Oh, yeah, dude. This heel push was
3: beyond, like,
1: your wildest dreams, so it's not your oh, boo him, you know, because he's the bad guy. No, Edge actually got a lot of hatred from fans because of the personal turmoil between his former best friend, or was, I said their friend now, but like his former best friend at the time, Matt Hardy, who once fallen in love with Lita, and they made a whole story out of it where Matt Hardy would show up on Raw and basically come out of the crowd and beat the shit out of Edge and when, you know, he did the side effect off the stage on electrical equipment. It was just wild, man. The feud between Edge and Matt Hardy was just insane.
3: Yeah, they had a, they had a uh, pretty, pretty wild run that had a lot of gimmick matches. So um, next we had a pretty uh, big jump after that feud. And uh, that run with Shawn Michaels after a bloody elimination chamber. Um, Edge, who was who was the first Money in the Bank winner, cashed in on John Cena and stole the championship and won his first championship in WWE, uh, world championship in WWE, and really putting himself as the number one heel in the company, screwing over John Cena, starting a epic fucking rivalry.
1: That was definitely the moment where fans were like, because uh, John Cena had just like, won a Elimination Chamber match, and here comes Edge, and Vince was like, By the way, Edge is cashing in his briefcase and runs down the ring and just literally picks the bones and wins the match. And fans are like, boo, I can't believe you did that, boo. I was cheering. I don't know about anyone else, but I was happy. I really... Okay. At that point, they were like, why? I was like, okay, I'll give you a good example. When everyone went, okay... Everyone and their brother's mother cheered for uh, Johnny Gargano inside Chicago's All-State Arena at NXT TakeOver. Oh, God. was was the only one cheering for Ciampa. The only one. We're not talking about that. We're talking about Edge. All right, let's get on to back to the subject. So, Edge started a feud with John Cena. And, boy, did it ever. So, Edge, didn't he have, like, a live sex celebration at one point? He had a live... Sex
3: celebration with his girlfriend Lita, Lita right as <laughs> in, in the main event. It was absolutely incredible, and just before he was going to put that shit in, he was stopped by John, who gave Edge a an attitude adjustment, and um, <laughs> this led to a wild TLC match in. Edge's hometown of Toronto, Canada, where John Cena was mega, mega booed, mega booed, and he picked up the win after hitting a gigantic attitude adjustment off the ladder through two tables. I, and um, this feud did not end there. I, I believe the championship was thrown in... The spinner title was thrown into the river at one point, And John Cena's dad was uh, slapped in his stupid whole face. Um, let's see. What else happened? I believe Edge got thrown in the river at one point. So... Um, Edge and Cena's feud was fucking off and running, my dude. It definitely was off and running and the
1: whole I believe I believe something happened where Edge turned the title into the rated R title
3: and Yes. That's Yeah. That's when that's the that's because he threw John Cena's spinner belt into the river.
1: And then Edge Got thrown into the river by John Cena. So, like, <laughs>
3: exactly, exactly. So when they finally got when they finally got Edge away from John, he was drafted to SmackDown, where he married the, the he married the GM Vicky Guerrero. And which which in turn locked him into a brutal feud with the Undertaker at the time, and um, they built a whole little uh, faction around Edge and gave him Bam Neely and Chavo Guerrero and the Edgeheads of Brian uh, uh, Brian Myers and Zach uh, Zach Ryder. And um, they had a fucking fantastic feud, um, Edge and Undertaker did, which included a great, great, great title match at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um,
1: that. Didn't yeah, I'm sure you were. You were
3: probably at that WrestleMania. I'm. I know. Which one?
1: Mania. The
3: one where Edge wrestled, the one where Edge wrestled Undertaker.
1: Oh no, I wasn't at that one. <laughs> I I've been to many manias. I've been to twenty and twenty-nine through thirty-five, but uh, no, I was not actually at that one. Right on.
3: So uh, after after their uh, after their feud finished up, um, I believe. Um, Edge turned and Edge probably turned heel and face a bunch more times, and um, he poor Edge had to finish up his career after uh, this after a, a, a great run, man. But he announced after his match with Alberto Del Rio that his fucking neck was fucked up and he had to take he had to retire
1: which really broke the fans' heart because it was such an integral part of WWE, uh, not just as a tag team, but as a solo competitor. The man just, he dredged up so much, like, respect and admiration, not just because, like, fans could only talk about, not just the TLC matches, which are, like, notable work, but, like, this guy is the same guy that paired himself with, Guys like Hogan or Rikishi or Kurt Angle at one point, and then Randy Orton. Um, so when he hurt his neck.
3: That just, oh, man. That just we was like, totally wow. I'm sorry. We totally blew over rated RKO. Um, yeah. Fucking pardon me. My bad. Rated RKO was locked into a nice little blood feud with DX. Remember that? Yeah, because didn't Edge come up to,
1: uh, well, he was, he, he was paired with Murdoch and, uh, God rest his soul, Lance Cade. And he come up to Orton in the dressing room and goes, hey, do you want to join us in our uh, vendetta against DX, that damn DX or whatever? And Orton's like, sure, why not?
3: Yes, man, that uh, was a brutal feud that tore um, Triple H's other ACL that put him on the shelf for a long-ass time. Fast forward back up to where we were, um, poor Edge had to, re- had to relinquish the title after, after that WrestleMania match with Alberto Del Rio, and then we didn't see him for fucking 11 years or however long.
1: time we saw Edge was what? Before like his neck injury was two thousand
3: and eleven? Yeah, believe. I believe he dropped that I believe he dropped that title, he relinquished the title mar uh April twenty eleven at WrestleMania twenty eight,
1: I wanna say. Yep. Um,
3: so, go ahead.
1: Like the time that everybody was speculating when Edge was going to return was when he speared Elias and everybody's like, oh, Edge is going to make a comeback. And I'm like, oh, no, you're bullshitting. Um, story time, folks. Not too much to take away from Edge, but when me and my friend Chris went to Royal Rumble January 26, 2020. Uh, people were already saying, oh, MVP, oh, this guy. You have no idea how fucking loud Houston was when Edge come out because, dear God in heaven, the and seats were shaking out loud when he was number he was i believe number 29 i think i forget what number entry he was but he when he came back i just got goosebumps because that man's presence no matter what year it will be will always be a presence and when he come out at the royal rumble january 26 2020 i i didn't cry but i was like wow this is pretty
3: badass Yeah, the uh return was definitely a surprise. I didn't think it was going to
1: happen to be honest with you dude. Like I honestly people are like, "Oh, Edge is going to come back." Cuz you know when WWE says certain somebody's going to come back, it's always a big name and they either turn it down or they just, you know, bail at the last second. And when Edge comes out that arena you can see the emotion on his face you can see the story that's being told and what he did at that rumble
3: wow yeah uh yeah man the um that return was definitely <laughs> de- definitely definitely a huge moment and um what seemed like it was going to be a one and done he got locked into it's too bad that he had to um his first WrestleMania back was was during the pandemic. I would have liked to have seen a big old, you know, edge entrance. But um he got locked into a feud with Randy Orton and um they had a very long, long, long street fight which I believe Randy got choked out on top of a fucking on top of a flatbed truck or something like that. Yeah, he
1: it went on top of a production. Uh, Not well. Yeah, it was a flatbed truck, and that's uh, basically essentially choked him out. I mean, they were hitting spears on top of a production truck. They were using pipes and all kinds of weapons. It was just a match that literally made me go, "Wow, holy shit!" Edge is still the guy that he was when he, before he got injured. He's picked up right where he left off, and it's amazing how this dude can constantly keep doing that. He can just go away for a little bit because of injury. He injured his Achilles the first time. He got a hurt neck the first appearance in WWE ever. Then his Achilles, and after his Achilles, he gets <clears throat> a major warm welcome, and then he becomes the bad guy, and you hate his guts again. Then he goes away in 2011, comes back, nine years later and still fucking steals the shit or steals, steals the show my bad
3: yeah man the um so the feud the feud with uh randy orton was um was um the, it was definitely bad timing with the pandemic and the wwe tried to have the uh <laughs> wwe had the world's greatest wrestling match wasn't that what it was called between um edge and uh randy orton. orton and they had the piped in they had the piped in um crowd sounds and the and the uh lights and the whole thing and wwe really tried to uh do the best and i um i i, I didn't completely hate the pandemic era. I just didn't really watch it that much.
1: Mm, I I am going to admit something to you. You I, watched
3: all of it and loved it.
1: No. I just, well, would there would be periods of time before you came on the show I'd be like, there's nothing else to watch. I will just sit myself in a chair and least try and watch half of it. Some of it was just hard to watch because the first time they didn't have any uh, crowd noise and then they're like, we're going to come up with a Thunderdome. I'm like, really? Okay. And when you told me your personal experience on one live show, I'm like, no thanks. I don't think I would ever want mm-hmm. to be part of a virtual crowd where they tell you who to cheer, when to boo, when to cheer. How. I'm like, no, that's not a virtual crowd, but that's besides the point. Edge's feud with uh randy orton was short lived and yes it was during the pandemic era which was that was folks that was a difficult time to watch professional wrestling and then now we see current day edge feuding with beth rollins now currently
3: so got it to... yes yes with uh edge working with this new talent he had a great Series of matches just recently with Seth Rollins that culminated in that big Hell in a Cell match at um, at um, Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia. What a what a storied career! What a Hall of Fame career for for uh, Adam Copeland. I think that he, no matter
1: who you put him with. He can easily adapt and he could easily make it work. That's just the type of guy Edge has always been in his career. You could put a guy with Triple H and he could make it work. You could put him with Undertaker. That match at Mania, wow. I've seen. Mean, you put him with Mick Foley, a guy that can barely tie his shoes, and I love Mick to death. But, you know, you put him with Mick Foley as a tag team. Then you put him against Mick Foley. And then you put him against uh randy orton multiple times or you put him with john cena it's magic there there are certain wrestlers uh that have been out history i put in my notes that uh they come and go they pass away because it's wrestling that's just it's a sad part of this and edge is one of those guys that really didn't know who he was back in the 90s i knew like when he came out with the brood, I thought it was really cool to have that ring of fire. And then he come out from the toaster stage, you know, with gangrel and the Christian. Um, and then he evolved himself. So, uh, he's just one of those guys that has had a, not only a story career, but one that fans, if you say his name, you instantly think meddling is by altar bridge or you, uh, spear, you know, the spear that he gives or, uh, how brutal his chair shots are or the historical ladder match feuds with the Dudleys and uh, the Hardy boys. There's just a lot, man. Edge is – he has etched himself in history. He's still writing his own history. So I think he not only got a story career, he's got a a career that is to be remembered, not forgotten. And uh, he is definitely someone – special guy that uh years down the road fans that'll remember will be like oh yeah edge cool
3: yeah i guess <laughs> uh huh <sighs>
1: okay so that folks technically ends the edge discussion now there have been Lately, folks, the title of this was WWE's to-be-released reprieved. Because apparently, we're not done with the releases yet. We are <laughs> Oh,
3: yes. Uh, Hit Row just got fucking released. It's Johnny... John fucking it.
1: Oh, my God. Um, that went like... I don't understand... You just bring Hit Row up to the main roster, so you cut B-Fab, and now you cut the entire crew. Like, that makes little to no sense because they are making – WWE will always make money. There's no doubt. But then you go and cut a guy the caliber of John Morrison. Really? Why? What – we what – what – I'm at a kind of loss because it's like the people that – and they just had the big one. like Not a big one, but Drake Maverick. You just did a whole story on cutting his ass for, you know, wanting to be with the company. And then a year later, you cut ties with him? Wow. I
3: mean, I'm just going to go yeah, through that, that just seems counterproductive, man.
1: That'll be like a dude making a comeback to the NFL or any major sports team, you know what they just got injured and they just like let's say the Yankees or the Houston Astros decide to cut who got off from like a quad or like a season ending injury but made a comeback and was rehabilitating, got to the minors, made it back to the majors, and then they're like, Nope, we're cutting your ass. You didn't cut the mustard. That's literally what they did to Drake Maverick. They're like, well, it's a big deal because he's not a main event player. Like, they made Drake Maverick a comical guy. Uh, John Morrison, on the other hand, you know how much talent that guy has? Like, for the time being that he was in WWE, he was Miz's lackey. And then they turned him away from Miz and then – they completely dropped him off the face of the card and so that's that there's that. But then you bring up a group like Hit Row who do not even have any time to develop themselves or establish themselves. That's kind of bullshit if you ask me.
3: I uh have been reading it a little bit more than that with Hit Row and um I read that I read that Vince McMahon Saw um, the big one. I don't know what the big guy's name is as the star of the group. Even though Swerve Scott was supposed to be the star of the group, but the I guess the uh, big guy had some heat on him. So with everybody getting cut right now, they said, "Fuck it, we'll just cut all three of them too." <laughs>
1: so had some. I gotta read into that because I know I didn't know the full start until you said something like, "Okay." So top dollar was what Vince, of course, because the the old man he's has... Gigantic. These, he's tall. And he's big. He's big old blah, blah. I get it. I, I get it. But then they... I believe they... Didn't they also release another female talent?
3: I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, I was kind of stuck on the um, Drake Maverick thing because I think that, like, Losing Drake Maverick kind of sucks because I feel like he's kind of the kind of guy that you can have work for the company or work backstage or send him out to go do an autograph signing. I think he could p- kind of like be that like Jimmy Hart of WWE, like that guy who does a bunch of shit. So it just kind of sucks. I find uh, I find Rockstar Spud. To be very entertaining And an asset So I hope that this isn't for him In professional wrestling And he could bounce back on his feet
1: I think it's really sad The way that they had utilized him You know Just like the The comic relief I think like Drake Maverick could have been Like you said So much more
3: Yeah (laughs) It was definitely It's definitely um, It's definitely a misstep But It's just it just makes more and more sense that WWE is just trying to cut everybody and trying to cut all the loose fat like anybody can fucking get it right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if some more people got cut, yeah. and yikes. I I
1: wouldn't be surprised either, but there's some things that bring to my attention. Like, we've discussed this before. <clears throat> Outside of the current releases, folks... There's been speculation that uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens will no longer be a part of WWE uh, sometime after 2022. And the sad part is they're like, so some people have discussed with me outside of this, like I want to get this from your perspective as well. Like I think that the WWE, once they got the certain classes of NXT, certain graduates from NXT up to the main roster, that they completely – not undermined, but overlooked, and really didn't care. And you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Finn Balor and Nakamura and Cesaro got up. Um.
0: So what's
1: your what's your question, my guy? Do you think that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens will uh, traverse to AEW?
3: One hundred percent. Yes, I think that. I think that. Um... I think they're good as gone I think with the trajectory that WWE is on I think that Those guys are both older I think they're not I don't think they look as great I think with the path That WWE is taking With going younger And going with guys from their system That they can mold And shape instead Of guys who are already preset In their ways and guys that are You know 40 years old who've been on in the indies for 20 years. I think that, I think those guys, they, that's it. I don't think that they got, I don't think they're going to do it in WWE anymore. That's a shame.
1: In my um, opinion, I don't think it's a bad, big deal, but like for me, I think when those two got, you know, they gotten into NXT, I was excited, you know, to see Kevin. I was excited to see Sammy. Um, I really feel like outside
3: of Sammy, That's WWE but... though, bro. That's I WWE. Know. I think that like going back before the going back to WWE before NX before Triple H took over NXT and the and the uh PC was built, I mm-hmm. just don't like I, I they didn't bring in these indie guys. They didn't bring in these flavors of the week. They didn't bring in guys like Kevin Steen. They didn't bring in fucking Samoa Joe in 2008 when these guys were younger. They didn't, they didn't fit that mold, and they got the shot on WWE because because they f- found themselves in the system, and since the old man just doesn't see as see them as working, they. They're getting phased out. They're getting cut. I read that. I read that um, they're trying to keep Johnny Gargano. I think that Johnny Gargano would be fine if he stayed on NXT, and because I think Johnny Gargano would give the show some legitimacy, because Johnny Gargano does have a extensive indie background. And he's had a fantastic NXT run. And you kind of want to keep a couple of those guys because you don't want to lose your core base. You know, you don't want to lose those guys, who those fans that were watching the show before the changeover. So I think that's kind of why Tommaso Ciampa is the champion right now. Then Braun Breaker, I think
1: he's one of the Steiner Brothers kids. This is what... Uh... You know, I also, I've noticed, like, I don't know why we have to go a certain route with people that are already attached to a big name. Maybe they just want to do something different. But anyways,
3: I think that... uh... I think that um, WWE. I read that WWE. They they could have thrown the Steiner name on him, but they don't want to go with that, and they want to give him a name that they can own. But to um, to piggyback on what I was just saying, I think I think if WWE wants to kind of keep that that core roster or core fan base, I think instead of going with Tommaso Chapa as champion right now, I think it would probably would have been better if Kyle O'Reilly could have been champion because he had just a fantastic series of matches with, um, with Adam Cole on his way out, and he, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, being younger and a little bit more, you know, WWE Handsome, he could have been a good choice for champion.
1: Well, yeah, because it would have made sense in the way the arcs were, the way the stories were aligning. Then they put him with Von Wagner, and it's like, um,
3: okay. And now Von Wagner got called up.
1: See? That's the problem. Like, once there's a good thing going in NXT... I mean, Vaughn Wagner wasn't like a catch-my-eye-attention type thing, but speaking on the subject outside of, like, uh, well, we're not going to speak on the subject outside, but uh, I don't disagree that Kyle O'Reilly would have been a a great candidate for the championship. I just think the crowd just gets so behind Ciampa. Uh, Of course, it's only in Orlando, but it's hard. That doesn't matter. It's hard <laughs> due to no it's hard for me who was like so heavy on NXT when it first started when, when it had Mauro Ranallo and Percy and Corey, and then it transitioned to Nigel McGuinness and Percy and Mauro but the, not forget the commentators. It's hard to watch NXT 2.0 with the limited roster that they have because, like you said, it's great that Gargano is an essential piece of NXT is part of the original class in 2014, 2015? No, let's see,
3: 2016? I don't know. You would know better than me.
1: Okay, I have a lot of programs that I bought folks from, like, the NXT shows that I've been to. But Gargano's been an essential piece, so has Champa. Then the last remaining piece... For the women's division that's still there Is Io Shirai Uh, Outside of that You've got Raquel Gonzalez from the Mae Young Classic and you've got Casey Catanzaro and Other people that are attached to NXT But now all the call-ups Are happening like Xia and Von Wagner Um, Essentially What I'm saying is it's hard to watch Because there's very little I mean it was great you know this past uh, Tuesday But um, I guess in the near future, we're going to be seeing a shorter version of NXT because there's only 16 men, 16 women. To show, to uh, close the show out, folks, what I'm going to say is um, wrestling, definitely before the end of the year, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have an award ceremony show. We're going to have categories. We're not going to reveal now. We're going to reveal later. That's how we roll. And also, if, uh, if you guys want to catch us on Saturdays, you can do so live on live stream on blogtalkradio.net. If you want to catch us afterwards, it takes about an hour and a half, two hours for the show to be remastered and recorded. You can do so on Blog Talk Radio, or you can go to iTunes, by the way, the day after, 24 hours after. It's free for now. Free for now. We will charge 99 cents later or more. Okay. And if you want to have any questions, you can directly message Pizza Simpson on his direct Instagram. You can message us both on our, you know, platform on the, on the gram at wrestle underscore radio. You can do so on Twitter at underscore Brian rails. And by the way, folks, big things coming in 2022. We're just going to start, you know, one piece this shit together one at a time. Pizza Simpson is the man, the main man responsible for resurrecting this show from from the uh, clutches of being X'd out. And two, um, got a lot to be thankful for. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your uh, families. Keep watching wrestling. Uh, watch Survivor Series live on Peacock. Uh, it's only five ninety nine dollars 99 for Peacock Premium for those who have not subscribed. If you don't like WWE, you can... Uh, but well, you can watch movies on it. I don't. <laughs> you can do whatever. Or you can watch old pay-per-views and relive the good old days, whenever those were to you. All right, folks. That is it for moi. Pizza, you have anything to add? Nah. Later. All right. Later, bitches. We got to get some shut-eye. And if you didn't like the good old Brian Rails or Pizza Simpson, I have three choice words for you. Forget about it. So those bitches got to get some shut-eye for the uh, turkey day. You know, turkey day. Gobble, gobble. get.
2: Look in my eyes. What do you see? The cost were close A of personality A cult of personality